This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And we really know what it's like to live life on the road. Three and a half years, babe. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's actually even more than three and a half years. We started in December of 2019. Yeah. I guess it's exactly three and a half years. <laughs> Great math. Thanks, thanks. Is my strong suit actually? Math? Yeah, you would only imagine what I could do at reading. <laughs> so today we wanted to share with you some of our favorite destinations over the years so that you guys can plan your summer road trips. I know that, you know, we're coming into that season where people are, you know, getting out to that weekend warrior. They are maybe starting your van life adventure for the first time ever. I think starting in December like we did is maybe rarer. Yeah, I don't think there's as many people that start in the middle of winter, just like the, unless they're like snowboarders or like avid uh, winter, you know, type of people. Because like, why would you start then? Yeah, it's kind of like the worst season to start. I guess if you're like running to like Florida or like New Mexico or Texas or like something along these lines, you might be starting in the winter. Mm-hmm. And so that's a consideration for some of these destinations. Depending on what kind of weather you like for the summer, you might want to think differently. And I know for a fact that like Alex and I, we don't love the super hot weather. So we tend to go north. And so I think we're going to talk about a lot of like northern states in this podcast. But if you do have like an air conditioner and the ability to cool your space down, whether you're plugged in or if you have like a sick ass battery bank. And you could just like crank that soldier boy on that on that air conditioner. You know what I mean? You you know. <laughs> the other thing that you could do, we had just like uh fans in the back. So between the max air fan and then the two directional fans on us, we were pretty comfortable like all of the time. Yeah, it was pretty great, uh, like when we were in Central America and stuff. I feel like we were worried about being like overly hot. But the other thing about Central America, once you get to, like, Costa Rica and Panama, it really doesn't get overly hot. You know, like, it gets warm, but it's, like, a pretty mild, like, not mild, but, like, on the warmer side of mild temperature all year round. Well, and I think the nice thing, too, is that the sun is kind of consistently rising and setting around the same time. So you don't have those, like, wicked long days like you do up here in the northern hemisphere where it's, like... 9 p.m. and the sun is still up and the heat hasn't really broke yet. So in Central America, we had a lot of like, it was actually super comfortable because the sun would go down around like six or seven. Mm -hmm. And then there would be time for like the van and for the the world to cool down before you went to bed. Yeah, it was 630 like like clockwork, maybe like 20 minutes from winter to summer is the difference when the sun's setting. And, I mean, it's a glorious sunset, too. But, yeah, like you're saying, you don't have that 9 p.m. 
9.30 p.m., you know, sun's up all day long. You've been blazing in the heat all day. The the asphalt, everything around you has just been being beaten by the sun, just like raw dogging. Ew. <laughs> yeah, it gets very warm. Even here, like, we went for a walk. We're in New York City right now, and we were walking, and I was, like, getting sunburned at, like, 6 p.m. I'm Yo, like, how is this even possible? I legit have a red sunburn on my neck right now. Mm-hmm. It's bad. I, I was playing hoops the other day. I was just, like, shooting around, and I could feel the sun on my neck, and I'm like, I need to protect this. <laughs> I need, like, a floppy hat or some shit. You need one of those hats with the the neck on the back? Yeah, I'm surprised more people don't wear that in New York City. <laughs> it's not really the height of fashion. <laughs> not here, at least, right? Well, maybe it is, because, you know, 90s fashion is coming back. Is that a 90s thing? Yeah, definitely. The I floppy like hat. I like a postal carrier thing. The floppy hat was definitely a 90s thing, I feel like. Like the like Justin Timberlake used to wear that in, when he was, like, in NSYNC. I need no? to find a picture of that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, look it up. All right. You'll find a bucket hat for sure. Well, a bucket hat is different. Yeah, the flop on the back. No. Yeah, it's just like an extra accessory attachment. Oh, okay. <laughs> Frank's starting his Etsy shop with the accessory attachment for bucket hats. Bucket hats, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey guys, would you like an awesome bucket hat with an attachment for no neck burns? A neck flap? I got you. Oh my gosh. I got you. But yeah, like speaking of, you know, I think that in Central America for us, what we expected and what we got were like two completely different things. You know, and the rarity of who's going to go to Central America is there's definitely less people out there that's going to go make this trip. Just like one it's kind of, you're kind of nervous before you do it. Yeah. And I just don't think it's like, especially if you're just starting out or something, mm -hmm. it's not most people's like first choice of destination. It was yours. It was mine in 2019. <laughs> I was like, we're doing it. And then the pandemic happened and whatever. But I think what I learned from being down there is that there are many cities at elevation. Mm -hmm. And so those cities in the summer were super comfortable like Guadalajara, Guanajuato, Mexico City were all like really temperate and mm. beautiful. Like I wouldn't have wanted to be at the beach in the humidity and the heat and the, you know, like maybe if we were surfing every day at that point, it would have been different. But like to be in the cities and it to be like maybe creeping up to 80 in the daytime, but then like coming down to like 65, 70 at night and like really nice and comfortable. You get one massive rainstorm a day, kind of like in Florida. Yeah. And yeah. then that's it. Yeah. It, it was perfect. You're right. It was, it was amazing. I thought the weather was kind of perfect there. I could have, I could have not like necessarily gave up snowboarding for that weather, but I would have been like intrigued by surfing quite a bit. And then like maybe doing like a month of like snowboarding, you know, in the winter time. You know what I mean? Like no. come, come back. Like live in Mexico like month, half of the year? Like not Mexico. I would rather live in like Central America, you know, because I feel like Mexico gets way hotter than unless you're in the mountains. You know, because you're still in North America. Oh, so you that, mean for surfing? Well, I'm not even saying just for surfing. I'm saying for the heat aspect of summer. Like, summer in Mexico is definitely hotter than summer in, you know, like, they have bigger swings of temperature. You get what I'm saying? Sure. Like, when you're, when you're in Baja, California in the summer, like, it definitely gets over 100 degrees. 
Yeah, I mean, in certain places for sure. Yeah, in Baja, California for sure. I don't know if you could say the entire Baja, California. Yeah, Northern Baja was quite cold. That was cold though, but we were also there like just before it started to get like really hot. I would say, remember when we were in La Paz and the heat started coming on really hard? But La Paz is literally the furthest point south in Mexico. The furthest point south is Cabo. La Paz is still two hours north. But then the cities are always hotter. Yeah, for sure. And that's also on like the Caribbean, uh, not the Caribbean side, but the the Bay, the Gulf of uh, California there, the Bay of Conception. So you don't have as cold water as you would have like on the Pacific side. I would say I remember Ensenada being a little bit cooler, Mm -hmm. but I bet you any money that if you look it up, like the hottest temperatures there will probably be like 90 plus degrees. Yeah, it's only 67 degrees right now. Yeah. On that coast right there. Yeah, but then I bet you that when it gets, like, middle of summer, look at what, like, the highest temperature is. So, like, we we found Baja to be not so bad. Um, But then when you get... I remember Sayulita and uh, San Blas being, like... Those were just, like, muggy. Muggy, like, and buggy, like, mosquito-y, right? Really mosquito-y. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're going to definitely find places that are going to be a bit warmer. So like if we were in that situation, we were staying in that place for a bit longer, I would have loved to have air conditioning. If we would have had air conditioning, we probably would have stayed there much longer than we would have like anticipated. The max high in Ensenada for the year is 77. That's it? They get tons of wind maybe mm-hmm. coming off the Pacific. So I guess it's north enough for it to get like the waters to stay pretty cold mm-hmm. and for it to be windy for it to mm-hmm. stay cool. Well, so this isn't a podcast about a weather report because I feel like all we've talked about so far is the weather in Mexico, which is kind of ridiculous because that wasn't the point of the podcast. The point of the podcast the point was is to say, summer destinations. And so a great summer destination, if you do want to go to Mexico, is those cities that we talked about because yeah. they're going to be way more temperate. For sure. They're beautiful places to explore. The food is amazing. The dollar goes really far. The architecture is beautiful there's so much to explore Mm -hmm. and you know we dropped into baja california in like may like the middle of may and so by the time we were leaving it was like july the beginning of july and it was starting to get really hot in la paz but then we were in mainland mexico all of july and august super comfortable yeah we were and i I would say that like those places were incredible. And the reason why we like fled to the mountains was so we could stay in cooler weather. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it would get into like mid 80s in some of the spots like during the day. But then by the n- time the night came, it was 55 at night. So we were like hella comfortable. Right. Like sleeping conditions. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And maybe like a little bit of sweating. I feel like like not too much sweating when we were down there. But like, let's talk about. Like the northern part, right? Because when we first got on the road, we were we were in the lower 48. And I remember getting done with snowboard season. You know, the whole COVID thing became a thing. And then we were up in like the Washington area and Oregon. And I remember being up there and like everybody else was like stuck in heat waves. I remember seeing like videos and stuff of people like complaining about it being so hot. And for some reason, we just always found, like, really comfortable temperatures. Yeah, well, I think it depends on the year and stuff, too. Like, the year that we went to Alaska, um, everyone in the P&W, which is the Pacific Northwest, which is the area that Frank's talking about, like, Washington, Oregon, all up in that kind of quadrant, um, 
everybody there was dying from like heat waves and like 110, like almost pushing 120. The siding on people's houses in like Seattle and Portland and stuff are melting. Yeah. And we were like up in Alaska saying, haha, you guys just didn't go north enough. Yeah. We, we were <laughs> assholes for saying that, I guess, because like, you know, people's siding is melting off. Well, but even uh, but just like van lifers and stuff like dying yeah. in their buses. Like, oh, you got to go to Alaska. You have the ability to drive up there. Come on, guys. <laughs> but so Alaska was our like one of our ultimate favorite summer destinations. Well, and I think once again we got really lucky because you could get a summer that's really wet mm -hmm. you know like our friends the year after we went they got a really wet summer but they loved it so much that they're going back again this yeah, summer even with it being wet you yeah know? but like, now i guess they're prepared for it and they know but it's just so beautiful the funny part is i bet that they have like the most beautiful like sunny weather this time so. around <laughs> just they because do. they're like prepared for rain and wet you know, but I mean, once again, it's going to be a place that is going to be fairly wet. Like you're going to you're going to get really wet conditions in the summertime there. Like we had a, quite a few wet days or like really like misty days, mm -hmm. I feel like. But it really wasn't like heavy rain um, that we were getting lucky. Once again, Alex and I have this like tendency to like go where the weather's right. Yeah. So if you want. A perfect summer. Just come wherever we are. Just follow us. Like, <laughs> literally, like, get in your rig, find where we are, and follow us. I know that's really bad advice in the sense of, like, us being able to live our own lives. <laughs> this is how our commune begins. <laughs> yeah, right? But, like, we always tend to get, like, super, super lucky when it comes to, to weather. I feel I think like. also it's, like, an attitude also because... Yeah. You could sit there and complain that it's too hot. You could complain that it's too cold. You could True. complain that it's too wet. You could literally complain about anything. Or you could just have a nice day. If you are a complaining person, you're not going to have the best of times. I don't no matter know what. If, well, like, just because you you're complaining. You should just not live in a van. Well, you uh, you should learn how to not complain. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand, like, there's times where we're complaining, too. You know, everybody has their moments. But for the most part, we're very positive people. So, like, having that outlook of, like, you know, it's we don't look at the grass is always greener on the other side. We always look at, like, the grass is pretty damn green on our side. You know, like, we're, we're kind of the opposite thought, I feel like. You, yeah, you know what I'm sure. saying? And we're willing to explore new places. So, like, if we feel like there's going to be a place that might be proper for the time or the space that we're in, headspace that we're in, we're going to go. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're not going to let things hold us back. We're just going to make it happen. So, yeah. So let's go back to the PNW. Like the PNW was pretty wet. I remember. I think we had like one day that was like 95. Some serious fog. F and fires. That's, yeah. the, that's the one problem with the PNW is that... Well, they kind have a of lot the of entire fires. western coast, because California yeah. got rocked with fires. Like, well, this year, hopefully, because like the snow melt and everything, hopefully you have like they have like a fairly wet season, mm -hmm. and they don't have as many fires as that they normally do. Well, so a tip for that: there's this app called Free Roam, mm -hmm. F R E E R O A M, and it's literally great because you can do map overlays and one of the overlays is fires and one of the overlays is smoke so you could literally see where the smoke and the fire is and kind of like avoid that so for us like when we came back from alaska there was a lot of fire stuff going on and so we wanted to 
you know, it, the, the smoke is the air quality. And if you have a problem with, like, breathing and air quality, like, you definitely want to be aware of, like, the air quality index. Um, so we were able to kind of look at this map and decide, like, okay, we want to head towards this town to get, like, away from the smoke cloud. Yeah, yeah. And just, like, knowing what type of air quality that you're having that you're breathing in, you know, is a great thing to have. So, like, my uh, weather app that I use, I pay, like, a couple bucks a month to have, like, the extra settings. And uh, it actually shows you where all the fires are when they're happening and how many fires are in that area. And you can, like, zoom in and see how big the fire is and things along those lines. Um, it's called Sea Lime. Uh, NOAA weather radar. And, uh, I absolutely love it. I mean, it, it was like money when we were in Central America too, which is kind of crazy. Cause normally when you're looking at weather, like it's, it's hard to tell what's going to happen. And it'll be like, rain's about to start. And then bam, the rain would start. And then it would tell you how long it's going to last. And it would almost hit it on the money every time. Uh, and the other cool thing about it, like even when I was up hiking in Guatemala, up to go see the volcano to go see Fuego. Um, I could look at that app. I looked at the app for a couple of days in a row to see when the best weather might come. So that way I didn't get like a super foggy day. I remember that people came down and were like, we didn't see shit. Like we didn't get to see the volcano at all. So they had a bad experience in a sense. And, uh, once again, they might've been complaining people. So you, you never know. Uh, but, I made it up the mountain and everybody was like, oh man, I hope that we get to see it. And I said, well, I looked at my app and I think from what the app says, the weather's going to clear up at like 6.30 right before it gets dark out and we're going to get to see Fuego in all its glory. And we're going to have pretty clear skies after that point. And it was like money, almost exact. So it worked out really well for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also told us about all the hurricanes and stuff that were coming up. So there's a lot of things you want to be tracking. And the nice thing about living in a van is that you do have the ability to kind of like move around and shift and change your plans a little bit. Um, but so my favorite place in the PNW, I don't know if it actually qualifies as the PNW, but Idaho yeah. is up in that quadrant. Yes, it is. And I absolutely loved it. If we're going classic PNW, I would say Olympic National Ooh. was a really beautiful trip. I liked uh, Cascade Lake Highway. That was probably my favorite. Where is that? In Oregon. Remember when we drove through that? In, I do remember, but you, they might not know. Yeah, where that I mean is. the Cascade Lake Highway is just littered with lakes, like everywhere, and mountainscapes everywhere. You're in the high desert, so it's really like a really cool scene. Um, and there's, like, nothing out there. So you could really get out into, like, the BLM land and the forestry land out there and not be bothered at all. You know, obviously respect the land and respect the people that are in that land, too, as well. But, man, it was so glorious. Mm-hmm. We definitely had some really nice, like, lakeside spots and I think almost exclusively free camping because at that point we were not paying for spots at oh. all. We didn't have the money to pay for spots. Like we were on such a budget from like saving the year prior and like getting ourselves ready to get on the road. And then like we just didn't know what to kind of expect. Um, and that's like when YouTube first became a thing for us. Mm, well, and also I think too, the first like 
almost probably like two years of van life, we had like a pretty heavy chip on our shoulder about like not paying for camping. Which is pretty normal when you first get out there. Oh, yeah. And I have no problem with free camping. I would rather free camp any day of the week. Mm -hmm. But I have learned that there are some nice things associated with paying for camping. Yeah, like amenities and like just like even like the aspect of I wouldn't necessarily say security. But I would say, like, being able to just, like, plug in, being able to have access to a shower, like, unlimited water is mm -hmm. very nice. Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, one of the best commodities you could have when you go to one of these RV spots. And I think, like, peace of mind, too. Like, we have some friends who uh, he was struggling with some anxiety and things like that. And mm -hmm. so if your anxiety is all the way up and then you're trying to boondock somewhere, but then you're worried that, like somebody's going to come and tell you you can't be there, like, then you can't really relax and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and any noise could really, like, disturb you if that's, if you're really high anxiety and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so for them, paying to camp was, like, a great option because then they're still in the van, they're able to, like, you know, be in the community and whatever and, like, enjoy their space that they built that they love. But, like, while he was going through this period... You know, it just made more sense for them to, like, be in a place that they knew for sure that they wouldn't have any trouble. Do you remember any places that, like, really appealed to you in Idaho since you said Idaho? Yeah. So my whole goal in Idaho was to map out all of the hot springs. And so when we were doing, like, the little tour of all the hot springs, there was, like, this corridor that went out to, like, a forestry area and along that, there was, like, four or five or six different hot springs that you could kind of hop between. And, and then... be naked in them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to say it. I don't know if we were naked in any of those. Uh, yeah, one one for sure. At least one. Because we were by ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. I don't remember. Okay, go ahead. I don't remember that one. But yeah, so there were so many different spots to camp along the road um, that was like going out there. It was really peaceful. You had like this rushing river noise, which was really nice. You're right on the water there. And then with like a couple of different like little mini hikes into the forest, into the woods. Then you're at this like beautiful hot spring, spend the afternoon chilling out. And then you come back to your like glorious campsite. And it was just a really peaceful kind of like reset, like... We, for a little bit, we were going kind of quickly and we would do like a hot spring at night and then sleep there and then mm -hmm. wake up and drive to another hot spring mm -hmm. and then drive to another hot spring to camp at and then do like a nighttime hot spring and then like go to a different one. Like we went to like 10 different hot springs yeah. in like five days. Yeah. And I would say like the area that Alex is talking about mostly is the like Sawtooth Mountain Range. So you're going to find a lot of those hot springs like kind of in that mountain range, like Stanley area. And then even like, what was that? Boise National Forest mm -hmm. area. Um, you So you'll find it in these type of areas. But uh, I would even say like Boise was a dope city. I feel like it Boise was like was. it was pretty green. 
Yeah, that little like ma- like not mountain, but that like hill hike you could do over there. Mm-hmm. Paco loved it. It seemed like because it was always like dogs running around, and uh, it was very playful and very friendly. It felt like mm-hmm. there was the the disc golf course um, out there that was really really unique and awesome to be able to get mm-hmm. out there. The people that I met out there were really nice too. Um, I honestly I loved McCall. McCall was so gorgeous. Like the 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 big lake that they have there and the bike ride we did. We did mm-hmm. an eighteen mile bike ride and Alex and I don't bike. And we just like rented bikes and did an eighteen mile bike ride up and down hills around this lake. It was such a challenge for us and uh yeah, we made a video about it that was that was pretty sick. Um we had issues right off the rip in the beginning, which was crazy. Yeah, Frank's bike broke within yeah, the, like a mile the of gears, leaving the... The gear like r- little rig went bad and like snapped <laughs> and the chain wouldn't go back on. And... Do you remember when Paco just jumped out of the bag? I do, yeah, I do. We were cruising and Paco was like, forget this, I'm not staying in the bag anymore, I want to run and just leaped out. He had to poo. He did have to poo, He right. jumped out of the bag and I was behind Frank and I was like, oh my God, like stop, stop. And then I look out and then he just like went off to the side and took a deuce. <laughs> and then he was like, okay, let's go yeah when he jumped out he didn't get hurt so don't worry no cruelty to animals over here yeah you know? it wasn't like a dangerous spot but but it was crazy like um that was such a gorgeous area i really 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 loved that area and there was a bunch of places to camp out there too mm-hmm. remember that little like national uh forest area that we found uh kind of like when we, we stopped at that pizza place that was like not great <laughs> and then uh uh if you would like there's like a fork in the road not really a fork but like a four-way stop area mm-hmm. if you go right you go up to like that national park but if you go left you go to mccall and we wound up going back to that spot after being there with uh, Crown and Style for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then we went back up into that spot just to go check it out. I think we camped there for one night, was it? Yeah. And then, or did we not? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I don't remember if we camped there or not. But we, like, drove around it, remember? And we're like, oh, it's kind of empty here. It I feel like little... for us, too, like, if we get to a campsite too early, we get kind of, like, weirded out about it. Yeah, which is kind of funny. Like, I don't know. We're like, ah, like, it's, like, still sunny. and blah. Like, I have no problem, like, being there and staying the whole day. Mm-hmm. But if we get to a can- a new camp spot. To, like, sleep. And it's, like, too early. Like, I we feel, gotta, like, antsy. We gotta, like, get there at sunset. Yeah, and then you're kind of, like, committed. Yeah. Because you're like, well. I'm not driving. It's dark. Day's over. <laughs> this is the spot. Yeah. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, I like it here, you know? I think I remember we were, like, trying to find, we couldn't find, like, level parking. Mm. I remember it was like and we didn't want it was kind of wet too because it was like getting close to fall and it was like getting a little bit cold but it wasn't too oh it snowed when we were in McCall it wasn't supposed to but it snowed when we were like a random yeah couple of flakes yeah yeah like there was like a little layer on the ground I remember because it was getting close to um it was getting close to Halloween Remember, we went over to that little uh, pumpkin patch, and uh, we were, like, doing a food tour. And we were we were like, oh, the food at this place is supposed to be really good. And it was yeah. like a maze. We went to that maze, the corn maze. Outside of Boise. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. We had a great time over there. Yeah. I feel like Idaho, uh, like, really does hold a crazy, like, spot in our hearts. And I think the nice thing about Idaho is that it's not as potentially visited as places like Oregon. Yeah. I feel like Oregon, especially like the Bend area, mm-hmm. is like, which is where the Cascade Lake Highway kind of feeds off of. Mm-hmm. 
is like jammed a van life. Yeah, and I don't know if it's super jammed anymore because they did shut down a bunch of like the land over there and stuff. Right, um, but so I think they shut down the land to like get rid of people. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's just getting rid of people or if it's like uh, restoration of the forest because they do do that sometimes. They shut sure. places down to restore the forest in that area. If people are overstaying their welcome, which you definitely shouldn't do that, you should. I understand that not everybody has the same like financial situation. So maybe moving often isn't a thing for them. But uh, yeah, if you could, if you could at least disperse properly, you know, cause I feel like that's an area, it's like a vortex in a way, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of get sucked into it mm-hmm. and then you want to stay longer. Cause there, Bend is a beautiful town, mm-hmm. you know, and you have a lot of um, not only the mountains over there are gorgeous, but there's a lot of like buttes that you could hike. And they're not that challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have very challenging hikes there, too. You have the Sisters. Um, and you have a bunch of other mountains in that area that have, like, beautiful cascade and waterfalls. And there's a lot of unexplored land, you know. Mm-hmm. There's, like, Lapine over there. That's that's really beautiful. Um, but if you get out into these areas more and disperse from maybe, say, like, that Bend camping area, then maybe the place wouldn't get shut down so quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the reason the Bend camping area got so popular is because Bend is the vortex. And so there a lot of people will go there, especially during the summer months, and pick up seasonal jobs. Uh So whether they're working in coffee shops or they're working in restaurants that are now really busy or, you know, whatever the case might be, (laughs) then they have this, like, easy camp spot right outside of town to, like, go stay at. So they become more, like, permanent residents Uh than they do... Like travelers. Yeah, true that, true that. I mean, I do remember us going to visit John Dean over there. Mm-hmm. And he was working at a campground. And there are jobs like that where you can go work at these places, get a spot, mm-hmm. you know, stay well, in. it's called camp hosting. Yeah, you camp host there. But you or can he still was doing get... like maintenance for the campground 100%. or whatever. But you could still get another job. You don't have to just do that. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, that's job enough. Like, we know a lot of people who do, like, you would probably have to start applying for these positions, like, now or, like, have already applied. Yeah. But. Well, they were looking for work when we pulled up there. They, they he literally offered us both a job. <laughs> we're like, no, we're, we're good. Like, we're good. We're trying to figure out yeah. how to make an income online. And thank God we stuck to it. Yeah. I'm yeah. really happy that we stuck to it. <laughs> I thought about taking the job for a second. Yeah. I was like, oh. We could we could use a little cash, you know. It's tempting. Yeah, you know it's hard to turn down a job because it's like, you know, you think about it and you're like, well, when will I get another offer soon? Yeah, I don't think I have that mentality. I think that it's just like, the universe is providing, and you know, like, of course, the opportunities present themselves, and like, not every opportunity is for you. Like, if it's not a hell yeah, it's like a no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the hell yeah would be something, like, now for us that would be, like, if somebody offered us an opportunity to, like, do a documentary film, I think we would be, like, hell yeah. Or if somebody offered us, like, um, I don't know, an opportunity to work with their brand for for a specific amount of time, you know, that would probably be a hell yeah. As long you don't as, want to scrub toilets for them? As long as, like, their interests align with ours, you know? Yeah. Like, right now I'm saying hell yeah to work with my brother doing HVAC. Right. You know, that's that's what I used to well, do. Well, that's like easy though too. Yeah. And you get to hang out. I don't mean like easy in the sense of like you're just like playing with ponies all day. Or yeah, something. it's not easy. It's not easy work, but it's easy in the sense of like it's my brother, the he's getting the jobs. 
I, I just got to bust my ass, you know. Show up for him. Show up for and him. And then you get to hang out with your brother. You haven't Correct. seen him in, like, two years. So and I, like, I honestly, I like working with my brother. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a nice thing to be able to have that opportunity to be able to, like, stand side by side and work on a project, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it is bonding. nice. And, and it's good money, you know. So I'm not, I'm not, like. Mad about it. Yeah, yeah. It would be a different story if I was getting paid, like. Five dollars an hour, and he's I, like, "Okay, your payment, lunch at McDonald's." Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> You're I'm like, like what? Oh, I'm good. I gotta go. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think I hear somebody call my name. Hey, Alex, what? <laughs> Do you hear that, James? Is my wife. Uh, but yeah, so I think that Bend is like a great place to be. But there's so much of Oregon to explore. Even if you wanted to go to like the Salt Flats or like get way far out, like where we did the Wolfpack Roundup meetup. Yeah, that was sweet. Beautiful country. And lots of open land. That was by, like, Smith Rock or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it was called uh, out in Oregon. Yeah. I forget the name of the town, though. I think that, generally speaking, we haven't done a lot of, like, summer exploring on the East Coast. So I can't really say for sure. But most of our East Coast exploring is, like, Cracker Barrels, Walmarts, like, cities. Not so much of the nature. But I think if we got further northeast... It might be different. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think if we were in, like, maybe, like, the White Mountains and the Green Mountains, that's Vermont and New Hampshire. For the or even, like, the Smoky know. Mountains and, like... Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, but I heard that it gets sketchy up there, too, though. What do you mean? I, like, from what I heard from Chase and Maria Jose and their parents and stuff, that, like, the Smoky Mountains are kind of, like, a little bit odd. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, like there's people that, like, hide up there and stuff. mm so, I, I mean, I don't know how, like, true it is necessarily, but I'll take them for their word, you know? Like, right. they're pretty trustworthy people. Um, I mean, when I say pretty trustworthy, I mean very trustworthy. They're awesome people. But uh, I, I would I would say, like, even making it up to, like, the Adirondacks, you know, and going through New York and Pennsylvania and even Maine up there, like, hitting that whole area. Um, I think would be awesome. You know, mm-hmm. we've never really explored that other than in the winter time. Mm-hmm. And so if you do want to explore somewhere that we're not talking about or you've never been before, go on iOverlander and just like take a browse around, see what's kind of like happening over there. Look on all trails, see what kind of trails and like outdoorsy stuff you can do over there. See if any of the trails link up with the spots on iOverlander. Yeah. And I would say that one thing that would probably be pretty good to have on the East coast would be like a harvest host or something along those lines where you could actually look up and see if there's people that are like inviting people to mm-hmm. camp in there at their house for $10 a night, whatever, $15 a night, mm-hmm. you know, Otherwise, then it's definitely like KOAs and you could probably pull up to, if you're a drinker, you could probably pull up to a winery or a brewery and be able to stay there. I mean, once you have a couple of drinks in you, they're not, they don't want you to drive. They don't want that liability. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to my parents about that the other day because they live in kind of like wine country in Ontario. Yeah. And I said, because I looked it up and like technically the town, like the bigger town in the area that they live in has made like free camping basically like illegal so you have to be at a campground like you can't just like sleep in your rv on the side of the road sure i guess they were having a problem with it during like covid and stuff and so they put these rules in and i said well like couldn't you just like what if you go to a winery 
and you have some drinks and blah, blah, blah. And like when the winery like let you stay there. And she was like, I don't think so. Like, well, I mean, we it's should... on you to get yourself home after like at any restaurant establishment. It's like, yeah, we'll serve you all the drinks you want. Now you figure it out. I would say, well, that's not true. It's definitely but not I true. Think they're like, they'll like, call you a cab. But let's put it this way. If I was working at, say, Fridays, right? Because I used to work at TJ Fridays here in New York. If I overserved somebody alcohol and they got hurt after, I would be on the, I would be liable for that. Right. But I that would. doesn't necessarily mean that you let them sleep in your parking lot. It means that you cut them off and call them a cab. Sure, sure. But if, say, I was at that winery and I had one too many drinks and they weren't minding, you know, making sure that I was okay. Right. You know, I think it's a case by case basis. Sure, you could call a cab. I'm not. I'm not saying flood these people with, you know, RVs and campers, but also at the same time, maybe they could become some type of camp host. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for like, sure. It would be smart of of these type of places to say, you know what, we have a camping spite, uh, a camping spite, <laughs> a camping spot. You know, limited to one night. That's how most of the Harvest House are, is one night only. And, and like, I wouldn't see why a winery wouldn't do the same thing. Or, yeah. or like, a brewery wouldn't do something very similar. Right. You know, have something behind the place. If your winery or brewery is big enough, obviously. Right. But if you have, like, a spot right behind the barn or whatever it is that you have there, I don't know what they have specifically. But you could set up an area where you have, like, a couple spots available mm-hmm. for that overnight thing. And then they make more money, too, on top of that. Yeah, you know. Sure. So I don't see why they wouldn't do it. I would like for them all to do it. Maybe we could talk them into it. Maybe we could like make it happen, you know? Because yeah. we are going to have this rig up for rent uh, for rent up there. Mm-hmm. So if we can maybe set an itinerary, get everybody like a really nice place to camp throughout the way, maybe hook, up, hook them up with like a better price because we're renting out the rig and, you know, whatever. We're going to try to make it the best experience possible for you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, that's Ontario, and we haven't yeah. really, like, boondocked in Ontario. I feel like that would be a pretty good place to do summer uh, van life, though, is in Canada. Yeah, well, I mean, especially if you get north, like, away from the cities and stuff, there's so much land. Yeah. And in Canada, they have this thing called Crown Land, which is kind of like BLM, Bureau of Land Management. Mm-hmm. It's just called Crown Land, because we're British or whatever. Um, but so it's the same idea. It's like your taxpayer dollars are paying for the protection of this beautiful wild space yeah i'm wondering uh how they go about that are you able to just pull up on it like no permit needed or anything like that i don't know we'll have to like well maybe we'll talk to heather from van life ontario and she can uh give us some hot tips maybe we could do some exploring with some canadian van lifers Mm -hmm. and uh other than my wife because she's canadian van lifer obviously but i don't Uh, have any of the canadian van life experience no canadian van life experience but maybe we could get together with some like you know canadian van lifers that know the ins and outs and we could like make some videos and some podcasts with them Mm -hmm. about about crown land well we've actually already signed up for an event this summer yes we have uh in ontario if you want more details about that it's a pretty small intimate thing it's only 30 people i think allowed yeah like 30 rigs it's at a real campground yes we've already booked our spot so there's only so many spots but so if you're interested send us a dm on instagram it's at fna van life um and we can talk about it but if you are going to be in ontario this summer and you want to hang out definitely let us know send us a dm um but yeah so i think events are another great way to kind of like plan your summer road 
road trip. Mm -hmm. So if you know, like the bus fare is coming up, Descent on Bend is in September, Mm -hmm. um, Northwest Nomads, like all these different events, you can kind of... Even VanFest is coming up again. VanFest in Utah is coming up. Utah was a great place to van life too. It was, yeah. And they have, you know, since they have a lot of elevation there, you have a lot of good temperatures. I mean, it is a desert too, so it does get hot. Mm-hmm. So and dusty. Sometimes you just like gotta run away from the heat, you know. Or you know? embrace it. Yeah, yeah. You could. I mean, find a shady spot. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, park the van slightly in the sun so you could still get that solar. Oh, solar. Pop out the moonshade. Or you could get some like detachable panels that you could like hook up to your MPPT controller also, and just throw those bad boys in the sun and then park under the shade. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You don't need to get crazy. Uh, uh, solar every single day. No. You know, and especially if you're going to be driving here and there, mm. you have you have that DC DC charger, you'll be good to go. Yeah, but Utah had a lot of national parks that were really beautiful to explore. Yes, they did. Um, so I would definitely recommend that. Yeah. But yeah, so in terms of like events and stuff, if you want to like Good mac- job, Paco. <laughs> maximize meeting people, building community, um, having places that you know that you can be for sure, you know, because some of these events require you to pay for tickets or to pay for camping or whatever it might be. Um, So just, you know, map your summer route around going to these different events. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I think the event space is a great idea. Um, You know, you'll probably find some of these events going on in Alaska now that it's like, everybody and anybody could kind of just drive up there at this point Mm -hmm. there's no like rules or anything at the border canada at the moment um so yeah if you're in the united states and you're trying to drive up i think you'll be pretty good to go if you're from canada and you're trying to get there you'll be pretty good to go um so i i'd really truly think that alaska was probably the best spot and if you and if you really wanted those spots to go alex has written a book about it yeah so you can get the van life alaska guidebook available on Amazon as a Kindle download um, or paperback. And you can see all the places that we really enjoyed in Alaska and our tips for travel up there. And I would say pretty much all the spots are still available. There are some that probably have changed or shut down. I think Um, there's only one so far that I know of. I know of one too. And that was just outside of Girdwood. That was, yeah, that was the one by the lake. Yeah, because it looked like there was like a mining operation going on there or something. Yeah, like they were about to start construction on something. Yeah, but like we happened to be there when the construction was down just because it was COVID, I think. Right. I think uh, people couldn't get up there for work. Right. You know, so a lot of the projects probably stopped at at that moment. Uh, so we were kind of fortunate to have that spot because it was kind of right by the um, the ferry or the um, like the glacier viewing boat. Oh yeah. What what was that? Uh, uh, that was the glacier. Portage that's, glacier. Yeah, yeah, Portage glacier. Yeah. Portage. 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 There you go. Portage glacier, and that was an amazing cruise. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about really feeling a massive kick of cold energy coming off of that uh that wind that came off of that glacier well that's a super unique thing about alaska is it's probably the only place in the united states that you're gonna see and get that up close even hike on drive a boat next to get on a jet ski to get close to a glacier yeah and and then even like icebergs yeah like we were kayaking through fucking icebergs What's your language? Hey, think? this is a podcast. I can say whatever I want. No, you can. I can say most things. 
<laughs> but like that was truly FNA. That experience was wild beyond belief. I love when I pull up that picture and people are like, whoa, what is that? Where are you? You know, because it, it's really just one of those things that until you experience, it sounds like, oh, whatever. But when you see the picture or you see the video or you're actually like doing it yourself, you're like, whoa, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. I think Alaska was a lot of firsts for us and yeah. a lot of like onlys like this you can only do this in alaska yeah i would say the closest you could probably get to glaciers and i think a lot of the glaciers are pretty much gone now would be glacier national in montana mm-hmm. and then other than that i don't think there's really any glaciers anywhere there used to be mount hood used to be a glacier mm-hmm. up at the top of it um but i don't know if that glacier even still exists anymore either like it might have melted by now yeah it's pretty sad yeah they're all starting to melt yeah, so you got to get to Alaska now before they're all gone. I mean, when we saw the pictures of Portage Glacier of what it was, you know, 25 years ago, even 10 years ago. Right. Compared to what it is today, it's receded a lot. Mm-hmm. And the only way it comes back is if we have like a deep freeze. Yeah, we need like to go into another ice age. Consistently a couple of years. Yeah. I'm not even saying like ice age, but if like the winters got really cold again up there. You know, like to the temperatures that they're supposed to get for it to ascend, you know, because they do ascend and descend Mm -hmm. over years. Um, I know that the Denali Glacier, when we were there at the time, was ascending for the first time in a while. Right. Um, So that shows that it was cold enough at the top of the peak of the mountain for it to actually ascend, you know. So, yeah. possible. I I, I love Alaska. I think that... um, we will definitely be back to Alaska at some point in time. Totally. It was probably my favorite adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to explore like the Yukon and stuff as well. Our friend yeah. Alex has spent a lot of time up there. Yeah. And so that would be like a really cool, like the Northwest Territories. Um, and like exploring Northern Canada, I think would be really cool as well. Yeah, Northern Canada would be great. It would be a, a heck of an experience, I feel like, to... Um, to get to explore Canada, I really haven't done any exploring of Canada. Yeah. I've, I've seen Whistler and I've seen, you know, Alberta. You've seen some hot spots. I've been to Banff, you know. There's a lot of land. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of land. I'm guessing that, like, West Coast land is probably prettier once again because of the mountain ranges. Well, yeah, you have a lot of, like, flat in the middle. Yeah, and also even, like, east, right? It, well, you... the east is, has its own, like, beauty. There's more mountains on the east, but, like, not big mountains like you would get on the west yeah, coast. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple spots I was looking at, actually, in the east coast of Canada, if you, like, go really far north. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't get to it. It's just, like so many lakes oh yeah like there's not roads no i there was one road i seen (laughs) and it kind of goes up and around and then it like just ends okay and there's that's jim's house there's an airport yeah right (laughs) it's jim's house there's an airport up there that you could fly out of and it's like a seaport airport whatever but then you could drive that road back down so maybe one day when we're feeling bold enough and we have extra gasoline on us because <laughs> I don't know what type of gasoline right. prices are going to be up there because they're already expensive as is in Canada. Um, I would love to do a trip like that. Just like go explore to nowhere. Yeah. I you think know? it's kind of like Alaska in the sense that like a lot of the towns are only accessible by boat or by airplane. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think there's definitely like 
a known traveler's route through like Newfoundland, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI, like this whole thing, you can definitely like drive and camp and do all these things. Um, what was that couple, Quinn and, and the the couple with the truck camper in? Oh, you're talking about that? Ba- ba- uh, or no, I'm sorry. Oh. I mean at Lake Atitlan. Callie and Quinn. So Kelly and Quentin, who we met in Guatemala, Mm -hmm. they had just done that trip the summer before. They have like a four by four truck camper, which might make it a little bit easier. But um, they just had nothing but amazing things to say about it. So I think that was definitely like on our next trip list. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it would be nice to explore a new country um, and get into like all the different provinces that they have there and like Mm. you know explore the little parts of it that you've never experienced i've never experienced paco's never experienced you know i think it will be a a really wonderful experience and i'm guessing that it doesn't get like too crazy hot up there no like when you start getting more north you know what i mean yeah like Like, it would probably be the same you get like warm in the day and then cool at night yeah what's what what do you think uh newfoundland's like Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation. Because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. It's pretty breezy from the ocean, ocean, yeah. Yeah, and it's the Atlantic, and it's northern Atlantic. Right. So it's going to be pretty cold, I feel like. But yeah, I think that, you know, the general thing here is that I think it's great to explore new places. Uh And so, like, for your summer road trip bucket list, new places, for sure, but also some, like, favorites. Because there's nothing wrong with going back to a place you love um, and like re-exploring it or even just relaxing. Cause if you know that there's a campsite that you love or that there's a forestry land that you like just can so easily relax at having these places where you just like feel good and you know, you're going to feel good. It's, there's something like comforting about going back somewhere that you've already been. Yeah. I think that was the amazing thing about Alaska, even without being there, I think it felt really comfortable camping. Like, I never felt that I was not in the right spot, except for when we were, like, in Anchorage on that one road. Mm-hmm. Well, that was, like, a subdivision and it was like It was, like, a sneaky spot. You yeah. know what I mean? But otherwise, I never felt like that I was unwelcome or, like, couldn't park there or mm-hmm. any of those things, you know? It's interesting, too, about Alaska is that, like, so say you're going down to Homer in the Kenai Peninsula. Uh-huh. There's really only one road down and one road back. Yeah. So on the way down, we found a couple spots that we really liked. And then on the way back, we stopped at one of those two or two of those spots that we'd already been at because we knew that we liked them. Uh-huh. And we knew they were comfortable. Yep. And we knew that, like, we wouldn't be bothered there. Oh, yeah. And then we were able to go to that spot and hang out for, like, a week uh-huh. and just relax. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a great experience. And uh, I would even say, like... I felt pretty comfortable in Washington. It did the second time we went back there, it felt less comfortable because like van life kind of exploded, RV life kind of exploded because COVID was like kind of the beginning of COVID. And then some people like 
really fucked it up, I think. Yeah, like, we had one or two of our favorite spots that were, like, trashed. Completely trashed. So don't be those people, I guess is all we're saying. Yeah. But I think, too, like, there was this huge spike during, like, the middle, like, late COVID, uh-huh. <laughs> I guess you could say. Because, like, early COVID, it was just us on the road. Uh-huh. And there was, like, nobody else. And it was so amazing. And we could go to all these spots. And we never had to, like you know, worry if, like, other people were there, like, who was, you know, around or whatever. Then there was this point where, like, everybody was out. Yeah. And it was, like, bananas everywhere. Like, you pull up to a camp spot, and there's already, like, ten rigs there, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess we're... Either we're staying and we're making friends, or we're going to find (laughs) somewhere else, you know? Yeah, for sure. I I would say that one thing that probably would have changed now that... I like to surf too now is I think we probably would be coastal a little bit more. And I, I think I would be cool with being in San Diego and or Huntington Beach, even like that area. And the only problem I have with those areas is that it's hard to boondock it. Well, like, it's all city camping. Yeah. And so and I, you have to be constantly like think about city camping versus like wild camping. Yeah. City camping like you you have to be like moving around all the time or I feel like you need to because yeah. you want to be inconspicuous. Yep. You don't want to draw attention to yourself. Yep. You don't want the neighbors or the people in the building or whoever being like that van's been there for like four days and yeah. they keep coming in and out and like what's going on? Like you don't want people asking questions about you. So you end up moving around a lot more, you know, which is like. Catch-22, like, it's, like, good, I don't know. But, like, sometimes it's just nice to, like, lay roots, put out your camp chair, Mm -hmm. put out your moonshade, you know, put out your mat. I would say at that point, like, if you wanted to be, like, a surfer, if you want to really, like, enjoy the surf aspect of van life and you have a passport, like, I would not hesitate to go south and to go down to Central America. And just even make it to El Salvador. Well, even like a lot of people go into Baja in the summer, even though it's hot, like mm-hmm. we talked about, mm-hmm. the waves are better. So yeah. like the surf is up when the temperature is up. Yeah. And so if you're looking to catch the waves. I think it's actually the opposite. The surf is better in the winter. No, no, no. Where? In Baja. In Baja? Yeah. Mm. All the surf competitions and stuff were starting in you like know what? You're right. June, like July. Yeah, because I think that what happens is, is like the southern hemisphere is kicking up a lot of weather and, because it's winter down there. Right. And it's pushing that north. Right. Uh, so there's some like swells coming through. Yeah, yeah. And remember we were, when we were at that hot spring that we paid $30 to camp at. It yeah. was kind of ridiculous. We met that couple who was traveling in, like, the low-top GMC. Yes, yeah. And they were there for, like, purely for surf. Surfing. Like, they were on their way to, like, destination. I think they were and headed down to El Salvador. No, they were just doing a Baja trip. They just live Baja? in California, yeah. Oh, okay. They, like, they do it every year. Well, I could say this much, that the surfing, if you really want to get, like, some crazy, incredible waves, the best place to go is down to El Salvador. They have wild spots to surf. I mean, it's mostly like intermediate to professional style surfing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could go to Puerto Escondido, you know, on mainland Mexico. They got they got the pipe. They got the Mexican mm-hmm. pipe right there. You know, so I mean, I would I the reason why I would say I would debate on doing that is because you have more camping ability, mm-hmm. right? It's way cheaper, and if you have a remote job, then why not? 
Yeah. Like, why would you? Why would you stay in the states? I, yeah. I guess I'm kind of my opinion goes that way. Because we just got back and we loved it. Well, and and we know what it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've never done it, I could see it being alarming or scary or like you hear the stuff on the news or your family's the reason why you're not going to go because they scare you out of it or they're scared of you going. Uh, but like consider it. You know, we we had that girl, uh, Haley, that was following us, her and her boyfriend or husband. I think it's her boyfriend. Um, they wanted to do a trip to Central America and they kept asking us questions knowing that we were there. And I'm like, yo, do it. You guys are going to be fine. You're going to absolutely love it. And they, she was like, like, for real, like, what do I need? Like, so we were giving her suggestions on what she needed, like, to make sure that she could get across the borders and stuff. They went all the way down, I think, to, uh, I think to at least Nicaragua, if not Costa Rica, and then went back north. And they had an amazing time. And they did that all in, like, two months. Yeah, it's, it was actually crazy because, like, we'd be talking to them on Instagram and we were moving kind of slow. Like, yeah. we were maybe doing, like, one country a month. Like, well, just kind of like sauntering. A, ours was a 10-month trip. That was a two-month trip. Right. And so they would send us a message and be like, hey, we're at the border of this country. And we're like, how are you already there? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? The crazy part to me was that they came from South Carolina. So they drove all the way across and south. They they drove straight through Mexico. They didn't go to Baja and take the ferry mm. across. They drove straight through, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. fine. You'll be fine doing that. Um, but yeah, they just drove straight South and they made it and they had an amazing time. And then they said that was the, the trip of their life and they absolutely loved it. Wow. And they were stoked about it. They actually extended their trip a little bit longer, uh, for a little bit more surfing and then also to snowboard, uh, and ski. And so, you know, it just goes to show that you might be scared at first. And then I talked to them after I'm like, yo, congratulations, you guys did it. And they're like, oh, thank you so much for your help. I'm like, nah, nah. Don't thank me for the help. Like, congratulations on going and making the actual decision right, to go. Right, like you did it. You did it, and you made it happen. And how do you feel about it now? Was it as scary as you expected? And they're like, not even close. I felt we felt so comfortable the whole time. That's amazing. So, like, it just I'm just trying to tell you guys, like, consider it at least. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't have to do it because there's a lot of amazing places in the United States. They're just going to be a little bit more expensive, most likely. Yeah, and um. You're going to get a bigger swing in temperature. You know, you're going to get higher highs when it comes to like, you know, 100 plus degree days and lower lows too. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about the States is that like we do get really ridiculous heat waves. Yeah. Extreme temperatures. Both ways. Yeah. So I actually was just looking um, because when we were going through Central America, Starlink wasn't actually available. Mm -hmm. Is it available now? Once you left Mexico, there was no Starlink. Starlink is now available in El Salvador and Panama. Oh, my gosh. Of and course. I just read an article that says that uh, Guatemala just approved it. Whoa. Yo, you guys are going to be on the crazy hookup then. Because if if we could have ran our Starlink, we would have never moved from some of these spots. <laughs> we would have been chilling. Like, yeah. Because like even villain. with a local SIM card, sometimes you just have no service. Yeah. yeah. And it and, is what it is. And it's very limited service. Right. So, like, imagine having unlimited service. So, like, if you had a portable job and you could just be on the beach in El Salvador and go to your van and work, 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 and then go surf. Honestly, we might never came back. We might not have. I'm being serious. Like, the only thing that would have kept us coming back is, like, our tips. And we would have just had to leave and come back to, like... Clear the country. Clear the C4. 
and then yeah. and to to be able to get our tip back again. Yeah. You know. So I mean, at least if you cleared the C four, you're good. Get out of Nicaragua, get to Costa Rica, right? That's mm-hmm. outside of the C four, or is it Panama? Well, see, I don't Guatemala, think that we would want to do Nicaragua Honduras. again. What's that? We've talked about like not no, wanting to we, drive through Nicaragua. Again. But we probably we might not even have came back. We might not have left uh, Panama. Right. You know? We would just still be down there. Yeah, it was incredible. Honestly, mm-hmm. I really, I really, really enjoyed um, Panama. A we lot. were looking at like land and stuff, we were. and how much things were going to cost. We and... were. I mean, I think it's we're kind of not. I wouldn't say necessarily fortunate, but if it wasn't, if it was for Starlink working, we might have stayed. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I'm not, I'm not 100% guaranteeing it, but... You mean you don't want to be in your brother's driveway right now? <laughs> We're not even in the driveway, though. <laughs> We're parked on the side street. Yeah. Still right outside. We got a nice hookup. We're with family, so we're really lucky that we could be with family, uh, even though that the whole family's sick, so we can't really be inside the house at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're just chilling it, you know? We're kicking it. Paco's kicking it. Sometimes mooch docking doesn't go. We should do like a whole episode on like mooch docking on mooch docking yeah. and like you know how to be an excellent mooch docker, but then like pros and cons. Yeah, don't know? piss on this street. <laughs> that's, that's one tip. But yeah, if you guys want to hear about mooch docking and what we think about it and uh, how to be a good mooch docker, yeah, let us know like in the comments. Hit us up in a DM on Instagram. Uh, you could shoot us a message, go watch one of the videos on YouTube and shoot us a message there and, you know, let us know what you guys want to see. Cause we want to, we want to give you information that's valuable to you. Um, yeah. So we can keep like the success of the channel and of this podcast going. So speaking of comments and stuff, we need you guys to come and help us out because our last comment was some baloney. What happened? So somebody decided that. They don't like an individual that we had on our podcast. And for like a really ridiculous reason, this human being is like going through a hard time in their life. Let's just say the two people that were on the podcast decided to split ways from one another. Which is fine. And people break up all the time. They decided to do that on good terms with each other. Yeah. None of your beeswax. Yeah. F out of here. But so somebody came and left a terrible review on our podcast. It had nothing to do with our podcast. It had nothing to do with our podcast and was basically just like talking bad about the female in the relationship and like how she's, you know, doing all these bad things now that they're divorced. If you, the person that wrote that review, is listening to this podcast today, you need to go back and change that review because that had nothing to do with our podcast. Well, and also, I'll bet you a bajillion dollars that person is not listening to the podcast right now. No, no. They were literally just searching that person just so they could troll. Looking up that individual to talk smack about that individual, which is so low. Don't be that guy or girl. Don't be that person. Please. And, like, honestly, obviously, we're in the public sphere and, you know, if... Frank and I broke up or something like maybe some people would want to talk about it or have their two cents or like whatever. But that would be between Alex and I. Right. But like, I get We're it. not breaking up. But like, up. don't go like on someone else's chat. Like, yeah. you know, it just is like, it had nothing to do with us. 
Yeah, don't go chasing waterfalls, right? <laughs> so we need your help. If you are a fan of the show and you love it, go and leave a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. It really means the world to us. And it helps new, not shitty people find our podcast. Hell yeah. And, like, <laughs> straight up, guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. You know, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be able to continue to make these podcasts and make the YouTube videos and, and have the success that we have on here. So all the kudos to you guys. Keep being FNA. You know that we love you. And let us know how this sounded, because we got a whole new setup. Yeah, this is this is Focaster. Vod. Oh, sorry, I said that wrong. This is Vodcaster. You're supposed to be their professional spokesperson. Damn Frank. it! I, I was a couple of years ago. I feel like, or a year ago. <laughs> it took us forever to get the gear. I don't know if you guys remember, we did like a, we were like professional models, but then they shipped this stuff to. Wow, you could really hear that, huh? We were professional models, but then they shipped the stuff to Frankie's brother's house, and then we were in Central America for a year, so we never got it. So this is our first official podcast on the Vodcaster setup. Let us know what you think. I think that it sounds beautiful. I never want to do a podcast another way. This is not sponsored by them by any means at the moment, uh, but if they would like to sponsor us, I'm cool with that. <laughs> we'll listen for you guys. All right, well, I think we're going to sign off now. Thank you for listening. We hope you have an FNA day. Hey, everybody knows it's true. Band life, YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Band Life. All that.